Hey, it's Angel, your friendly neighborhood doula. I am so excited to have you here on the Birth Cafe podcast. Here, we'll talk about all things birth, pregnancy, and postpartum. As a certified doula, lactation counselor, and perinatal educator, I hope to provide you evidence-based information on interesting topics while also having fun and open conversations about the perinatal period. This podcast is for birth professionals and parents alike, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. So grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee, sit down, get comfy, and let's get started. Hello everyone, it's Angel here, and welcome everyone to this newest episode. I hope everything has been going well for you all, and that you guys have had a chance to listen to our previous episodes because man oh man we're coming to the end of the year and it has been so much fun i started this podcast episode in july this summer so it's been a wild ride in learning how to create a podcast (laughs) and surprisingly like i definitely enjoy it it's a lot of fun i love interviewing our guests i love having new and interesting topics for you guys and i hope i've been giving you guys the red pill of maternity birth breastfeeding postpartum and all that good stuff all right today's episode i really wanted to talk about america's philosophy on breastfeeding And I actually made a reel on Instagram just making fun of America's philosophy on breastfeeding. And I just thought it would be fun to make it a a quick episode on my podcast. So a lot has been going on in our world of breastfeeding, especially with formula being recalled there's been formula shortages obviously if you live in america you have probably heard that we typically have low breastfeeding rates we have higher initiation rates of breastfeeding which means that moms are more likely to breastfeed in the first few days of the hospital or the first day that they have their baby but then kind of after that breastfeeding rates tend to dwindle, and they're very, very low by the time baby hits six months. So that is kind of the state of our world here in America. If you're listening from another country, it may be a little bit different. I know some countries have way higher breastfeeding rates than we do here in the States, while others may have lower breastfeeding rates than we do here in the States, or you may be around the same. So There's a lot of different factors that come into play when we're talking about why breastfeeding rates become so low here in the States. And I can touch on a few of them, but I won't really go into detail because I feel like going into detail would be a very own podcast episode that could be two to three hours easily. And if that's something that you guys want to hear more about, you guys are free to shoot me an email and let me know if there's a topic that you guys want me to go into more detail about or bring in a guest to speak about. Some of the reasons why breastfeeding rates are so low here in America, 
has a lot to do with just how our society is built. The lack of support for postpartum women is extremely lacking. Now, a woman who stays in the hospital, she has a vaginal birth. She stays in the hospital for about 48 hours. And this might be different depending on insurance and some specific hospitals. But I would say that most women are staying in the hospital for about 48 hours. Some people even 24 hours after vaginal delivery before they're being sent right home. And for C-sections, we're looking about looking at about 72 hours before mom is discharged, 48 to 72 hours. So these moms are getting sent home right away. So they get the lactation consultant's help only for a day or two before they're being sent home to kind of <laughs> figure it out. The other issue that comes into play is the huge generational gap of breastfeeding mothers. We have lost generations and generations of breastfeeding mothers. So like even for me, I think my mom might have breastfed, but for other other moms and families, their mom and their grandmother may not have breastfeed, breastfed. So that's just two generations there that, you know, no one breastfed. And if we have family that, you know, if a large majority of the family hasn't breastfed, then the likelihood of a mom breastfeeding in this family is a lot lower. And so we have these huge generational gaps in breastfeeding. So if a mom goes home and she's trying to breastfeed, but everyone in her family, her, you know, female support system, no one has breastfed, then it can be a bit challenging for that mom to find support within her own circle of support. Something else I feel like is not really talked about is how our society is really just encouraged bottle feeding and formula feeding. And I really, really do want to do an episode on formula marketing practices and how harmful they are, but they have been very successful in their marketing campaign. And I just want you to kind of think about the cartoons, the movies, the TV shows that you watched even when you were growing up and the TV shows that you watch now. Just kind of think about when someone has a baby, how often are you seeing those babies breastfed? For the majority of the shows and cartoons, these babies are given bottles of formula. Even the babies you buy at the store for, you know, your little girls, they always come with a bottle. They always come with a pacifier. So good job on the formula marketing team for getting so involved in even media and promoting bottle feeding and formula feeding. And it's just become so normalized in our society. So that is also something else that I really wanted to go into about America's philosophy on breastfeeding. So without further ado, my top five things, or is it? Yeah, six. Top six things that America has created a philosophy around, and I'll just kind of go through them and then just talk about each and every one. So number one, America's philosophy on breastfeeding is when in doubt, stop breastfeeding. This actually kind of comes from a podcast episode I did with I did with Jack Newman and breastfeeding and what pediatricians don't know, what doctors don't know about breastfeeding. Secondly, formula feeding is the norm. Breastfeeding is the exception. Number three, 
formula shortage equals demonized breastfeeding. Number four, breastfeeding is expensive. Formula is the better option. Number five, 99% of women cannot breastfeed. And finally, number six, supporting breastfeeding equals anti-formula. All right, those are America's philosophy on breastfeeding and the current state that we are in. And the formula shortage actually created a lot of anti-breastfeeding sentiment, which is kind of crazy, right? Of course, you should never tell someone who doesn't have formula that they should have breastfed. That doesn't help their situation whatsoever. So that's not a solution for them. However, the formula shortage definitely created a lot of negative views around breastfeeding. And there was actually an article that I found on the internet about how breastfeeding is so expensive and this is how it's so expensive. So formula might be the better option for some moms, which when I read the article, there was a lot of inaccuracies. And as someone who grew up as a, you know, not grew up, who was a single mom, 10 years old, I was homeless. I didn't have a support system for my family, zero support on food stamps. And, you know, for the first six years or four or five, six years, yeah, like six or seven years of being a mom, I was a single mom. I was very, I was struggling a lot. I was definitely considered like lower income, things like that. So as someone who has been low income, who has been, you know, struggling to meet make ends meet in the past, has been a single mother, I can tell you, even in that journey, that formula would have been so difficult for me to afford. And I did breastfeed all of my kids. Some of my kids got some formula, and even with them only taking a little bit of formula or even having formula at the towards the end of my our breastfeeding journey, or at, at least at some point for at least uh, three of my children, it was very, very hard to even afford just a, a few cans of formula as someone who, you know, was struggling to make ends meet. So that article definitely triggered me because I'm like, look, as someone who did struggle to make ends meet, formula was definitely one of those things that would have made things a whole lot harder to afford. Okay, but let's talk about our first, the first thing. When adults stop breastfeeding, and this was really geared towards pediatricians and some other people in the medical field. Again, I talked about this with Jack Newman and our my podcast episode, What Doctors Don't Know About Breastfeeding. But when mothers are struggling with breastfeeding, and you also may hear this in a lot of family circles as well, is that if there's anything going on, whether a mom has to take medication, if a mom is sick, if the mom is struggling with breastfeeding in any way, the first suggestion is always to stop breastfeeding or supplement with formula, even when it's not necessary. And unfortunately, a lot of our pediatricians are not trained in breastfeeding. They don't have a, a good solid foundation on how breastfeeding works and things like that. And it's just really unfortunate that it is the way that it is. But there are very, very few reasons, even in illnesses, that a mom should stop breastfeeding. And a lot of times, even medications, a lot of the medications have an alternative for 
a breastfeeding mom to use. So there's always having the option of doing a different medication. If you guys want to know more about that, I definitely encourage you to check out my episode with Jack Jack Newman because he even talks about how some medications, like for like mastitis, that they give antibiotics, they usually give the wrong one. And usually some of these medications, you don't actually have to stop breastfeeding at all for. I know when I had some asthma issues with, while I was breastfeeding my fourth baby, I remember the doctor telling me that I need to start a, a corticoid steroid. And she's like, well, if you're going to take this medication, you're just going to have to pump and dump for the next few days. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So I actually, a couple of medication resources, there's Hale's medication, milk, mother's milk and medication. And there's a couple of other medication resources that I'll post in our show notes. But I looked it up. Perfectly fine to take while breastfeeding. <laughs> Perfectly fine. So again, it's just kind of one of those things that our medical, our healthcare providers really do need to have better training in breastfeeding to support moms in a better way. All right, next point. Formula feeding is the norm. Breastfeeding is the exception. And that really does go into how the formula company has marketed everything so well for formula feeding. Again, you see it in our TV shows and media when a mom is feeding, most of the time she's giving her baby a bottle. And those newborn baby dolls that they have always come with a bottle and a pacifier. Okay. We don't really see, you know, moms breastfeeding on TV. I think you'll, you'll probably see it a little bit more now, maybe a little bit more. But I remember growing up and I actually was watching The Brave Little Toaster. And with my kids, not by myself, <laughs> but it's something that I watched when I was a kid. And I just remember, and while I was watching this, there's a little baby and they, the characters were like, oh, we got to remember to feed the baby. Make sure you get his milk ready. And they scooped in some formula and warmed it up in the microwave, which actually isn't recommended, but they warmed it up in the microwave and they had a bottle for him. It's when they went to go save this baby. So again, it's just so embedded in our media. You know, when you're out and about, you see moms, you'll see more bottle feeding than you'll see breastfeeding. And something else that I really want to do is talk about breastfeeding in public, but that's for another episode. However, when we're out and about, more breastfeeding moms are wanting to hide the fact that they're breastfeeding. Versus moms who are bottle feeding will just, you know, sit down and bottle feed their babies. And so, again, when we're walking around even everyday life, we're not seeing moms breastfeeding. We're mothers bottle feeding. And so it's the norm. Breastfeeding really is the exception. At some point for most mothers, a bottle of formula is introduced at some point. So you just really just see it everywhere. All right. Next point. Formula shortage equals demonized breastfeeding. and Again, there was a, a whole issue on formula shortages. Part of it was for the parents that were on WIC. They were only able to get a certain type of formula and that formula wasn't available. And so the parents on WIC really struggled to get formula. Abbott, who is 
they have Similac. They create Similac. Had to recall a lot of their formulas as well because, you know, babies were dying because of the unsanitary conditions in the factories and things like that. And so there was a huge formula shortage. Of course, COVID came into play when, you know, a lot of people were sent home and things like that. So it was just a lot all at once. They were already struggling with some of the recalls even before earlier this year when the factories had to recall everything. There were other recalls even before that. So when this did happen, there were a lot of articles being pushed out there saying trying to, you know, give resources to parents that are formula feeding. And of course, there were some people who were like, this is why we need to be breastfeeding. Why not give your baby breast milk? I will say that from my online view, I did not see a whole lot of that, but I know that it, some people did say that. And, you know, that again, that's not always going to be the solution for all parents getting access to breastfeeding or breast milk. But then tons and tons of news articles were released about how breast milk and breastfeeding really isn't all that great, <laughs> that it's expensive and that it doesn't work for most mothers and it's not always a good option for moms. Breastfeeding isn't the, you know, the best option for moms depending on her circumstances. And, oh my gosh, like, you know, women who are poor, like they struggle with breastfeeding and things like that. And it it was, it was just a slew of news articles with tons of misinformation, just so much misinformation in these articles. And even some of the lactation community were actually demonizing breastfeeding as well, just saying like, you know, breast milk doesn't, breast milk doesn't need to be your only option. Like uh, formula could be a better option for you. And, you know, breast Breastfeeding isn't always best. We just want to make sure mom is, you know, baby is fed and things like that. And for anyone who doesn't know this, like the lactation community does have to follow what's called the WHO code of formula marketing or the marketing of breast milk substitutes and artificial feeders. And it's actually against the WHO code to push mis misinformation out there as lactation professionals we are actually discouraged from uh, marketing formula unless it's to guide a parent with breast like breastfeeding education and the proper use of using formula we we do have to give education on that P promotion of it is is actually against the who code and it's actually usually against our code of ethics as well and that's because, again, we have to do at some point a an episode on that. But the formula marketing tactics are extremely harmful. They push a, a ton of misinformation. There's a lot of manipulation with their marketing tactics. And, you know, that that's kind of where all that comes to. And I will post the WHO guidelines. And there's also a World Health Organization, a couple of articles on how the formula marketing tactics have done a lot of harm to babies. So I will put that article in there as well. All right, moving on. Breastfeeding is expensive. Formula is the better option. Now, this again came 
into play a lot more during the formula shortages about how breastfeeding requires a lot of equipment and it is actually more it's just overall just very expensive for parents and may not be the affordable option for parents who cannot afford it again as someone who was a low-income parent and who struggled with you know having enough money and I worked two jobs at one point and that was the primary source of income I can tell you that formula really isn't the most affordable option for a lot of us that are low income even with WIC because WIC doesn't provide all of the formula that you need for that your baby would need for a whole month breastfeeding does have some 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 relatively expensive products however a lot of that stuff can be covered by insurance or even given away so things like breast pumps insurance covers that I see people giving away breast pumps that have not been used all the time for free or for a low cost things like bottles and things like that are usually relatively inexpensive buying some bottles or a lot of like Pregnancy centers and women's health centers also provide like, you know, bottles and things like that if you need them. And then other than that, besides like, you know, having washing equipment to wash the bottles out, which are still not very expensive as well, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really cost very much to breastfeed. Obviously, making your own milk is free. You do have to you know, make sure that you're reading, breastfeeding often and then pumping is its own challenge and things like that. But overall, it's very, very inexpensive. And if you don't have to work, you can actually not have to buy any of the pumping equipment if you don't want to. Or you can just afford like a handheld, which is actually very, very, very inexpensive, around 40, 40 50 bucks for a handheld manual pump for a decent one. And so, again, the whole misinformation about how breastfeeding is so expensive. There is something about like nursing pads and nursing bras. You don't need to buy those. Those are one of those things that it's like, if you want to, you can, but you don't need them. Okay. You, you don't really need nursing pads. You don't really need nursing bras at all. You don't, I don't, <laughs> nursing bras are kind of nice. They're convenient, but honestly, I don't really recommend wearing a bra, especially in the first, you know, few weeks of breastfeeding because then we increase our risk of things like clogged ducts and mastitis. So that kind of misinformation is definitely and continues to be pushed out here. All right. 99% of women cannot breastfeed. I hear this narrative a lot. Most women can't breastfeed. This is actually very, very not true. Most women do have the ability to breastfeed. Of course, I've talked about a lot of some of the challenges that moms have. Maternity leave being one of this provides a huge barrier for successful breastfeeding and for successful long-term breastfeeding, I should say. So 99% of women who like can breastfeed. There's a very small percentage of women who don't, who cannot breastfeed at all. And there's another small percentage who can only partially breastfeed and usually that's due to like surgeries that they may have had that may have destroyed their milk ducts or any like injury to their breasts to the milk ducts 
can cause issues with that. Thyroid problems and hormone issues can have can cause challenges in breastfeeding as well. But if it's managed well, and if you work with lactation during your breastfeeding experience and understand breastfeeding, then it actually it, it doesn't always become a problem. And even if you aren't able to fully breastfeed, you are still be are able to provide some breast milk. There's a lot of misinformation out there about breastfeeding. That's why it's so important for mothers to take a breastfeeding class prenatally and to also choose a lactation provider during pregnancy. So find one that you want to meet with either at their office or they come to your house and create those relationships of lack of understanding breastfeeding during pregnancy. It's so, 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 so important because we have these generational gaps of breastfeeding mothers. So the knowledge isn't shared from mother to mother or sister to sister because, you know, a lot of a lot of people have a lot of people in their family who have never breastfed before. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. So definitely get the education prenatally so that you can understand how breastfeeding works and how to improve your success with breastfeeding. Understanding too that there are things in birth that can affect breastfeeding as well is another important factor to be aware of so that if certain things come up in your birth, you're able to get help right away and so that you can be successful with breastfeeding. All right, lastly, supporting breastfeeding equals anti-formula. This is another huge narrative that I see push on like social media platforms. And it's simply not true. Just being an advocate for breastfeeding doesn't automatically make you against formula. Being a, a, a breastfeeding advocate means that you know that breastfeeding is extremely important for growth and development and long-term health. I talk a lot about this in my microbiome course of how breast milk sets your baby's immune system up for healthy long-term outcomes and preventing things like allergies and asthma and immune disorders and metabolic disorders and things like that. So breastfeeding has a huge factor in immune, your baby's immune system and gut health. And there's definitely research coming out that it can also affect mental health as well. So breastfeeding is extremely important. And to say that it's not or to downplay the importance of breastfeeding is doing a disservice to families. And it's so it's really important to understand that breastfeeding really is important for these babies. But also understanding that because of the way that our society is currently set up, it poses a lot of challenges for breastfeeding mothers. And because of the lack of education in the healthcare community, a lot of moms are, you know, given a lot of misinformation from their providers or aren't supported well in their breastfeeding journeys through the healthcare providers, through family, through society. And so it does pose a lot of challenges for moms. And if for some reason her milk supply does dip because of, you know, either the misinformation that was given to her or something happened during her birth, or, you know, maybe she is that small percentage of moms that, you know, had injury to her breast, either through surgery or through, you know, an actual injury to her chest. And that can affect her ability to breastfeed. So we understand that formula is sometimes needed. And formula is going to be the better option other than 
it's going to be the better option if we have to, if there's no way to get, you know, breast milk to the baby. With that being said, we, I personally feel that donor milk should be more widely available for moms because I, I don't think people actually recognize that although formula can be a great substitute to breast milk versus like homemade formulas and just like plain goat's milk or cow's milk. I, I don't think we really ever acknowledge the fact that some babies are don't tolerate formula at all. Some babies are allergic to formula. I know my child was allergic to formula. And so when we have these kind of situations that come up and it happens way more often than we are led to believe, um, we need to have better options. And so I really, really, really believe that donor milk should be more widely available because currently it's only available for, for premature and very, very sick babies. And so we kind of don't have that option for these kind of babies to get donor milk or for moms who simply just don't want to give their babies formula. There are moms who would rather give their baby donor milk than formula. Okay. And so then we have our milk sharing, which, you know, there's a a controversy over that. And there's wet nursing that still kind of happens. Again, that might be another topic for another day. But these are the other options that moms are kind of left with if, you know, formula is something that they don't want to do or their baby can't actually accept formula. So I feel like we need to acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of babies out there who don't tolerate formula, who are allergic to it. And there are moms who know that breast milk is the better option and that they would rather give their baby donor milk or milk share than to give their baby formula. So we have to acknowledge those things as well and make it more widely available i personally personally not professionally so i'm going to say this out of my professional scope or outside of my professional scope and just make this personal i think milk sharing with someone that you trust is a a great alternative i've done it myself other breastfeeding moms that i've trusted were you know my again my son was allergic to formula he couldn't have formula so i would reach out to some of my friends for some breast milk and I have given away breast milk to people who really needed it so I think we need to look at all aspects of this and we do need to change America's philosophy on breastfeeding I don't see that happening anytime soon in fact I think the formula industry is due for huge growth in the future and I personally hope that we can stop these narratives on breastfeeding and stop the misinformation on breastfeeding even within the lactation community my goodness I've seen even a lot of negative connotations about breastfeeding in the lactation community which is very shocking but I really do hope that we can get to a place where breastfeeding is normalized and it's no longer the exception when it comes to feeding our children so that is it for today's episode I hope you guys enjoyed it And I look forward to having you guys on our next episode. I do have some great guests coming up for the podcast. And if you guys do want to hear specific topics, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram or my email or Facebook. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great day. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Birth Cafe podcast. Guess what? Our journey doesn't need to end here. 
If you would like to find out more information about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, head to my website. You can also find more information on me and the things that I teach on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Don't forget to hit that bell button if you want to get some alerts on new episode. And if you really like what you're hearing, give the podcast a five-star review. Are you trying to avoid a C-section? Guess what? I have just the thing for you. I have a quiz called, How Likely Are You to Avoid a C-Section? And in just two minutes, you'll learn how likely you are to have a C-Section, and you'll also have some resources on how to improve your odds of avoiding a C-Section, and a few more goodies. If that's something that you're interested in and you want to take the quiz, head to the show notes and take